0: If you're leading growth, building a startup, or looking to ladder up your skills, then you're probably really busy. So every other week, tune in to Growth Snacks, the Breakout Growth podcast short where Ethan Garr and I share one key growth learning to help you on your journey to breakout growth success. It's food for thought for anyone hungry for growth. All right, Sean, product market fit. You've
1: long evangelized the importance of reaching this milestone where enough people in a market find value in your product to really springboard it into that next level that growth but what are some of the typical mistakes startups make once they've achieved product market fit
0: yeah there there are lots of mistakes obviously (laughs) but um i think the one thing we can agree on um pretty pretty widely these days is that product market fit is is super important and fortunately startups have really embraced that and they understand it so i would say the challenge the biggest challenge they do have or the biggest mistake they make is that once they've validated product market fit in you know, maybe, maybe, maybe correctly or incorrectly validated, but once they think they have product market fit, they jump straight into growth and uh, start really doing everything they can to grow the business. And that's actually, I think a a pretty important mistake. And so what they should do is actually make sure they really understand that product market Mm -hmm. fit. So um, if they can really understand the product market fit, then they can leverage it to drive sustainable growth. So that's the first mistake is that they just jump straight into growth and then another key mistake is that they um, continue to or they fail to continue to to monitor and tighten product market fit over time. Yeah, I think
1: we always talk about companies, you know, they can't succeed if they don't find product market fit. But even once you find it, it there are some challenges that lay ahead. And I think we should probably really dive into that first mistake. How would you go about you know, making sure that you really do understand your product market fit?
0: Yeah, so I've spent a long time thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ultimately, I, uh, after two long-term growth roles, I decided this was the area I was going to focus on mm-hmm. on that on that uh, transition to growth. And so, I uh, spent a lot of years where exclusively I was focused on this, and that's where I came up with a few survey questions that helped me really uncover it. And for a long time, I kept those to myself, and then over time, I decided to just put this out there and kind of blog about them and, and help other people uh, use them as well. And so um, the main one, main question that everything else hangs off of is, is one that most people have probably seen out there these days. They don't always tie it back to me, um, but it, it was a question that I, I came up with back when I was at Dropbox, and it's, how would you feel if you could no longer use this product? And so what I'm trying to find are the people who have a, an intensity of need for that product. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying, okay, who, who are the people who would who would uh, be very disappointed if they could no longer use this product? And studying those people gives me a ton of insight into how uh, effective the product is at meeting their needs, why it meets their needs. And so there's another seven questions on that survey that I published. so uh, used to be on survey.io. Now it's on pmfsurvey.com. So product market fit survey, pmfsurvey.com. And that um, essentially gives you a list of questions to help you really understand, now that you know uh, who would be very disappointed if they no longer could use your product, you start to figure out why. So what is the primary benefit that they get from it? That's one of the questions. Uh, how do they discover your product? So that gives you insights into how you can reach them. Uh, what, what would they use if your product were no longer available? Gives you insights into the next best um, alternative that's out there. And so you start to get the idea that all of these questions help you hone in on those must have users and really understand them. Of course, if you can tie in uh, uh, quantitative data as well, so so your analytics data in to really understand, okay, who is engaged long-term, what, what are the referring uh, sources that sure. those highly engaged customers are coming from. Uh, that, that helps you get even more context into it. But, but ultimately what your goal is, is to reach the right people, have them experience the product in the right way. And so that's going to require a lot of experimentation in uh, getting them to use the product in the right way.
1: Yeah, this is something you cover extensively in Go Practice, and I found that really useful. Really like the first place I really dove into this though was at RoboKiller we use that question really to guide our whole, um, you know, our whole approach to when are we ready to grow? How are we going mm. to grow? Really helped us. And, you know, you were, you were there to coach us and and kind of help us make, get through those challenges, but why don't more teams embrace this? Why don't they do this?
0: Yeah. So I, I do think they actually, more people are using it like you initially did at RoboKiller, where they are using it to hone in and find product market fit. Mm-hmm. Um, But I I think they don't know what to do next, and so again they go into just just trying to grow, and so um, that most of it's just that that people don't have a lot of experience in this stage. If you're if you do it effectively. You probably have stock options that lock you into the company for another four <laughs> years, and and at that point you've you've gotten pretty rusty and and forgotten how to do it. And so um, I spent a lot of time just with with very short vesting cycles working with a number of companies in this stage, and and that's where I documented a process and. Um, that's, that's where some of these things that I'm saying today are coming from. (laughs) So what about the other mistake that you mentioned failing to monitor and
1: tighten your a company failing to monitor and tighten their product market fit over time?
0: Yeah. So, um, I think that's, that's a, a, an easy mistake that people make is that they just, they think of product market fit as like a one and done. Right. Once we, once we've got there, we move on. But if you really think about it, markets are super dynamic, especially tech markets, everyone's trying to innovate and sometimes that innovation really solves the problem in a better way. And so super important to just uh, figure out are, are, are people leaving for other reasons you know, this the percentage of people consider your product a must have dropping significantly. Do you have new target u- users that maybe you didn't think about in the beginning that are using it in a different way and experiencing a different benefit. And so right. um, the more that you can understand who those must have users are, the channels to reach them, you can both expand your market and protect your market if you if you start you see you're losing them. So it's not
1: just about using that survey, like until you find product market fit and then just thinking, looking at retention over time, maybe it's really about balancing both of those, always using that survey to keep monitoring where you are on the spectrum. Absolutely. So yeah, so I mean, this really isn't just a startup thing, right, I mean, I can imagine like if Blockbuster had, had done this, you know, maybe they wouldn't have gone bankrupt. <laughs> and yeah, you know, it, it really, it applies, really to new product innovation and really established companies as well. Because I think leveraging channel channel
0: advantages doesn't work if you can't retain those customers, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so that's probably been one of my biggest surprises in the last couple of years has been that Fortune 500 companies, large enterprises are recognizing that their uh, process for innovation and their ability to to innovate meaningfully and, and successfully is, is they don't have a great track record of it, right? Right. Most, most companies. And so they're starting to look to startups and, and the approach they take. Uh, and, and this approach is super helpful for them. Yeah.
1: It just seems like one of those things where it's only going to be uh, to your advantage, even if, you know, if you're at a larger company, it may be for a piece of the, of the operations or one innovation that you're working on, or it could be for the larger enterprise as a whole. But I think it's it's just a product market fit is something that that's just important to everybody. So I, you know, for our next growth snack, I'm excited to dive into this further because we're gonna talk about the connection between product market fit and customer advocacy, something you, you and I have really been passionate about. You and I have had some really interesting conversations around that. So um, I think it'll be cool to bring our listeners into that, into that discussion in a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, that'll be a really good one. Uh, but for now, thanks for tuning in to Growth Snack. One growth insight to help you power your team's breakout growth success. Next week, we're back with a full episode where we interview a growth leader from another of the world's fastest growing companies. If you're hungry for growth, keep tuning in. Following that, we'll be doing another Growth Snack. You know, The, the following week, we'll do another Growth Snack where we'll cover the connection between product market fit and customer advocacy that Ethan just mentioned. Thanks, everyone.